Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. You know, if you come here and go home every week, you're not reaching out, you're not serving, then you know there's an old line that says, you're going to sit sour and soak. Don't sit sour and soak. Get involved. Get involved in relationships here. Get involved with people. Get involved in a Bible study. They're going to start in, in a month. We're excited about that. Get involved in mid- midweek stuff. You have gifts. Use them. Serve the Lord. That's the best way to get involved in your church. It's also the best way to get rid of or to minimize hurt and pain in our life. I've used this example many times. I can't tell you how many times. that we, uh, Debbie and I were involved in um, Ronald McDonald House probably for the last 10 years. We did it at our last church for seven, roughly seven years. And then we've done it here. At the, at the, we were so excited that Boise had a, a Ronald McDonald House. So we've done it here for three years. And you know, I don't care what kind of day I've had or how the, you know, bad the woe is me is going on inside of me. When I get to the Ronald McDonald house and I begin to serve, we make dinner for the families. Uh, you know, their children are in crisis. Many of the children won't make it out of that situation. And these parents are in the middle of a crisis to go in and to love them and to show them God's love and to make them a warm meal and just say, hey, we're praying for you. It just all of a sudden turns my eyes off of me and turns my eyes on to others. And when that happens, your joy and your contentment will grow. Man, it's so good. Get involved. Put some roots down. Then one day in the future, you might find yourself saying to your church family, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. So practice number one, give thanks for the people in your life. And here's practice number two, give prayers. Give prayers for the people in your life. Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Verse 4, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Praying for somebody else just releases joy in your life. It gives me great joy to pray for my forever family. Paul discovered great joy and contentment in both remembering his friends far away and in holding them up in prayer. He couldn't be with them in the moment, but he could offer up something to them far more valuable than his presence. He offered up prayer to them, to the highest court, the holy God of heaven, the Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth. And as we studied just a few weeks ago, Paul lifted them up to the mountain mover. You know, I've said this so many times. Well, I guess all we can do is pray. I guess we've tried all these other things. Now we're relegated to prayer. Wow. I wish I could take those all back somehow. You know, how foolish that is to say I understand now. That's the best thing we can do. We get to talk to to God, the, hev- the, the Maker of heaven and earth, the One who moves mountains, the, one, the only One that can really make a difference in anyone's life. We get to talk to Him. I want to run to Him first. That's what Paul's doing for this church. 
He's praying for him. And while Paul's presence would have been met with gladness by his friends in Philippi, his prayers would be far more effective for the battles they were facing. Remember this as you pray for your kids. Listen, you want to help your pastor out? You want to bless me during the week? Pray for me. Pray for me. And as I pray for you, pray for strength, for integrity of mind and body, and for the wisdom to lead this church and my family where God can be most glorified, the devil most horrified, and you and I be most edified. You pray for me and I'll pray for you. Deal? Who's in? (laughs) All right. I mean, come see me, you know, visit when you can if you're not in jail, you know. But pray for me in the process. We'll be, I'll be far better off if you pray for me. Don't do what the world does, by the way. Sending good thoughts and vibes your way. Hmm? <laughs> okay. No, stop. And always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Stop and pray. Positive praying is infinitely more powerful than positive thinking. People may resist your advice. They may reject your appeals. Your kids may not listen to your warnings, but they are powerless against your prayers. Amen? You hold them up. You keep praying. Don't stop. You may not see what's going on inside their heart, but you keep praying and you watch God work. Paul tells us in verse 9 through 11 what he prayed for people. Listen for the ABCDs in this 911 prayer. I like this. It's a 911 prayer. Pray it over your kids, pray it over your spouse. Pray it over your family, your friends, your unsaved neighbor. Verse 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory of and praise of God. Wow! What a prayer! What a prayer! You want to pray a powerful and effective prayer that avails much? Here's one. Pray for these four things. Pray them over your spouse, like I said. Pray them over everyone in your life. Into your children's lives. Here's letter A. Pray that they will grow in love and wisdom. Love and wisdom that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. How can you pray for someone to have contentment in the crisis? Pray that their love for God will continue to grow and that they will have the knowledge and wisdom to know how to live out these crazy days that we're in. Letter B, pray that they will grow in spiritual discernment. Verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent. Discernment is being able to look at something and evaluate it for what it is. You might have discernment in a situation where you go, you look 
this and go, whoa, I don't want to be involved in that. That's just not going to end well. That's discernment. Or yes, hey, look at this. This is, I think God has this for us. It helps if you have discernment in your life to be able to say yes and no in various situations. Pray that they will grow in spiritual discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent. One thing that people need in this crazy world is spiritual discernment. We all need to know and act upon what is good and what is bad. We need to find and live out the whatevers. You know them. Whatever things are true. Whatever things are noble. Whatever things are just. Whatever things are pure. Whatever things are lovely. Whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, think about, ruminate, bring to mind regularly on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in Me, these do, Paul says. And the God of peace will be with you. I used to think, wow, that's a, um, that's a pretty arrogant statement. You know? Hey, yeah, you just do the things that I'm doing. But it's not. Paul was putting into practice, he was putting flesh onto these things so that they could see him. Paul later on would write, follow me as I follow Christ. He wouldn't say follow me and put a period there. He said follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to Christ. Why don't you come with me? We need to find and live out the whatevers and hold them up as a standard, a beacon. Everyone needs spiritual discernment in their lives, but especially our kids. Pray for them to have discernment. I didn't grow up in the best of times, but I'll tell you what, I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up in these times. No thank you. With the internet, with the phones, smartphones, and aren't so smart, man, pray for them to have discernment. And here's letter C. Pray that they will grow in holiness. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ growing in holiness. People think of the word holiness as some arrogant concept, a pretentiousness or a fake state of mind, but it's so far from that. God is holy and He exhorts us to be holy. To again, not a destination down here on earth, but an ongoing process for every believer all the way to heaven. Be growing in holiness. Becoming more like Christ every day. And that takes time and it takes intention. It means setting aside time to be in the Word. And it takes intention because you have to want to do this. It's not a passive game. We're not in a passive battle. If you're in the stands, come down and play the game on the field that God's called you to play. Be an actor. Be an an investor. Be part of what's going on. Live out your faith. Pray that you'll grow in holiness. Holiness includes being honest, sincere, truthful, loving, non-offensive, and pure. Every believer should want these qualities in their lives. And we should pray for each other that these qualities will be displayed in one another every day. 
that our neighbors might look at us and go, you know, that guy is really weird, but he lives this code that he talks about. As weird as it is, he has integrity. At least he's living these things out. Letter D of the 911 prayer for others. Letter D, pray that they will be spiritually fruitful. Pray that your spouse, your family, your kids, your friends will be spiritually fruitful. Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. They don't come from anywhere else. These are the fruits that come from Christ. To the glory and praise of God. He gets the glory. We don't. God has called every believer to a field of lost souls. And we need to pray for one another that we will be fruitful and faithful to the work that He's called us to carry out. I get asked all the time, what do we do now? Now that COVID's hit, now that we got all these uh, protests going on in our country, what do we do now? Hey, the game hasn't changed. The mission hasn't changed. We lead people to Christ because they're looking more than ever for an answer. And if you have that answer in your life, you need to take the basket off and let your light shine right now. My mom used to say, a candle burns brightest on the darkest of nights. Boy, was she tr- that's a true statement. Boy, was she right. Right now, there's a darkness over this land. People need to see the light of Christ in us. That's your job. That's your calling. That's your honor to do so for your Father who did everything for you and I. You know, that's the least we could do is to share the good news. If I've got an answer and cure to a, a, a deadly disease and I keep it to myself, what would you call me? That would be a terrible thing to do. But if I take that out and I try to share it with as many people as I can reach, that's what we're to do. That's what Christ did. Loving the people so much that He laid down His life. So let's recap the four spiritual practices here for finding contentment with others. We've talked about practice number one. We're to give thanks for the people in our life. Practice number two, give prayers for the people in our life. And here's practice number three, give grace to the people in your life. Paul not only saw his friends pass, he looked forward to the future and where they would be down the road as they grew in Christ. How much grace did Paul have to give the jailer who just beat him half to death? Man came to Christ. Give him grace. Paul understood that. That's why he wrote this. You know, people are not all the same place that you are or where I am. Sometimes we just got to give them grace and know that God's working. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, what God starts, God finishes. Of that, you can be sure. People are oftentimes not that good at doing that. What people start, people sometimes don't finish. I know this because I have a honeydew list, and it's always there. And I tell Debbie, there's no need to remind me every six months, I'll get to it. So. 
<laughs> Listen, no Christian lives a perfect life this side of heaven. We, are all, we all sin and we all fall short at times. We all need God's grace. And we, we need to give grace to each other. You know, God's given us grace. How could we withhold it from another person? If you've repented of your sin and professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God has begun a good work in you. I don't care what story you tell me. God's working in you. If you have Jesus Christ in, in your life, in your heart, if you've repented of your sin, if you professed Him as your Lord and Savior, Romans tells us you, you will be saved. Now, whether you're as far down the road as you'd like to be is another story. But God is working in you. And He's working in your neighbor that's saved. And He's working in your, that family member that's saved. That's hard to, at Christmas time, you know, the weird uncle that shows up. And you go, what's he doing here? Oh no, Uncle you know, Ralph is here again. He's so strange. He's working in his life if he's got Jesus Christ in it. So give him some grace. He is in the process of changing you and I into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. He is not going to give up on you. He will complete what He started until the day He returns. God is still working in my life. I can tell you that. He's still working. There's still things I need to learn. There's still uh, uh, truth that I, I need to incorporate into my life. But in spite of all the circumstances that I face in life, God is going to finish what He started and He's going to do the same for you. By His power and His promise, you're going to make it. The Bible says that one day when we get to heaven, we're going to see Jesus and become like Him. God always finishes what He begins. But we need to be patient with each other on our journey. We need to offer love to one another. We need to offer forgiveness at times for one another. Offering up the same grace, the same forgiveness, and the same mercy that you and I received when we were saved. Four spiritual practices to finding contentment with others. Practice number one, give thanks for the people in your life. Practice number two, give prayers for the people in your life. Practice number three, give grace to the people in your life. And lastly, practice number four, give love. Give love to the people in your life. Verse 9, Paul wrote, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. Someone said, if people are not on your heart, they'll get on your nerves. <laughs> Isn't that true? You know, it's, it's easy to hold a grudge for someone if they're not on your heart. It's easy to not forgive someone if they're not on your heart. It's easy to get mad, shout at them, judge them, criticize them if they're not on your heart. This is what Paul had on his heart though. He had these people on his heart. He had their well-being on his heart. He wanted to see them continue to grow in love and grace. And when we begin to see people as God sees people, we'll begin to love them as He loves them. Peter tells us this, above all things, this is 1 Peter 4.8, above all things, above all things, can I say that one more time? Above all things, have fervent 
love for one another. You know what that word fervent means? On fire. Man, it is serious. It is deep. It is wide. It's all-consuming. To have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Wow. Love begins with understanding. And you know, maybe you don't know the background of the person you're having a problem with. Take the time to find out. Maybe he or she is way better than they used to be, you know, 10 years ago. Cut them some slack, give them grace. Remember, they're on the journey just like us. Maybe they're in process of working some hurtful things out in their life. Hear their hurt. Listen to their problems. Find out their story. And just choose to love them. You know, love is a decision. You know, you, you can feel the effects of that decision, but love's a decision. I make a choice to love me. And she makes the choice every morning to love me. Some mornings it's harder for her. But we, we make choices in our life. Well, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm not feeling it. You know, I don't want to be directed by feelings. Feel, feelings will leave me high and dry one day. I want to, I want to be told. I want to live this out. You cannot love someone you don't understand or take the time to understand. Most of you may know this passage that the Apostle Paul also wrote. 1 Corinthians 13. You remember the love chapter? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I give... I have the the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I have all this wisdom in my head. I'm so smart. And though I have all the faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I haven't accomplished anything. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. Real love never fails. The love that comes from God, pure love never fails. Folks, here's a fact. It's easier to talk about love than it is to live it. How many of you know that? You can say to somebody, hey, I I love you, man. Because guys never just stop. You have to add man or you might be weird. You know. I love you, man. Yeah, I love you too, man. What has that done for me? Warm feelings for five seconds. You show me your love. And I'll show you my love. Be willing to sacrifice for that person. That's love. Listen to what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John. By this we know love. This is how you want to know what love is? You want the, 
you want a, a definition of love? John says, here it is. By this we know love. Because he laid down, who, who laid down? Jesus laid down his life for us. That's love. And, he also, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. For the sisters. As he laid his life down for me, it's time for me to lay down my life for you and for you to lay it down for every other brother and sister. Jesus loved us so much that He gave His life for us. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.